There was a large period of time where I would not leave the house without two stuffed animals. And mm. um, when and on Saturday mornings, uh, my parents would sleep in and I would go downstairs, but I had to take all of my stuffed animals. So it would be like eight or ten stuffed animals down with me to, to protect me so I could watch TV downstairs <laughs> by myself. I was a little scared wow. of the dark, you know. You get enough stuffed animals, they, they, they take the first heat from the monster. <laughs> Did you have them like all like a array- They were like looking out, like they were on. Uh, like, like, no, no, no. They, they were just snug- I, I had a beanbag chair, and then they would all snuggle with me on the beanbag oh, chair. That's yeah, nice. yeah. But you're right. I should have been in like uh, sentries or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like one looking around the corner. You know, that's like advanced level neuroticism. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just prepare to. Uh, It'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm going to be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepared to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch in Unbeatable Goodness. Welcome Pacers fans. You are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. Today is October 24th, 2021, and this is episode 544, coming to you from the high school home of Jameson Brewer, Silver Spring, Maryland. I'm your host this week, Jason Triplett. This show, we're going to break down uh, the opening of the season, including games against Charlotte, Washington, and Miami. Uh, Joining me for the show are two of our three analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First from Indianapolis, Indiana. He's our in-house bartender, mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles. It's John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? What is up, Undebeatables? Uh, quick shout-out to uh, our host, Joey. I was uh, at his house earlier today, hanging out with his lovely wife um, and his beautiful uh, boy, and uh, had a nice time. Um, he also has, uh, told me his stat of the week um, and informed mm. me that there's some things I have to deal with. So, so I'll be bringing as much Joey as I can even though my voice isn't as good and I'm not as funny. Besides that, it'll be great. Oh, perfect. Totally. And from Boise, Idaho, out west, it's our enforcer, John Harper. What is going on, fellas? Not much. Before we start the show, just <laughs> want to remind you folks that this show is brought to you by you. Uh, that's right. we got a Patreon page where you can support us. Head over to patreon.com slash undebeatables, and you can... Uh, subscribe for as little as a dollar a month uh and if you want to go a little bit higher there's uh some rewards in there for you uh, i want to give a shout out before we start talking basketball to um reggie miller uh, i believe colson's number one favorite pacer of all time correct even though it's a fluid list <laughs> he's, he's still there he's still there jeff foster who knows but uh no i'm just kidding uh was named to the nba's uh, top 75 uh, players of 75 years or whatever. I don't know what the name of the list is, but yeah. An amazing honor, and we will link to uh, the clip of him 
finding out that he was on the list. Really cool thing that the guys on TNT did where they threw it to him and uh, basically surprised him with the news and he was flabbergasted had no idea i don't know if this was a genuine reaction but it seemed very it seemed genuine authentic yeah. and uh he he seemed truly humbled by the by the honor yeah that was Which great was nice. it's a nice moment mm-hmm. i mean he was definitely a bubble guy he might not have assumed that he was getting in like you know yeah yeah for sure so uh and then more importantly shout out to uh Lance Stevenson, uh, probably number two on the list. He and Reggie probably flip back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that's Joey's list. Sorry, that's Joey's list. <laughs> jo- Joey's is, is Lance is firmly in number one for uh, for Joey's list. That's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Lance Stevenson back in NBA um, vicinity, I guess we'll say, was uh, selected 13th in the G League draft by the Grand Rapid Gold, Grand Rapids the G league affiliate of the Denver nuggets. So, uh, there is an outside chance Lance will make them dance, uh, in the NBA. I, at some point I, have, I have a question. Okay. Who are these 12 knuckleheads getting drafted before Lance ahead of Lance Stevenson? Stevenson. Good, good question. I mean, come on. You can't, I can't, you can't find 12 better players that are going to rile up your G league crowd than, than Lance <laughs> true. Stevenson. I mean, I bet those 12 guys don't know how to play air guitar. <laughs> <laughs> the number one draft pick in the 2021 G League draft was uh, Shamori Pons mm. from Del- Delaware from South Bay. I spent a, a I wonderful weekend at Shamori Pons. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Delaware and the number one pick. Delaware. I'm in Delaware. I don't recognize any of these other names. Brandon Knight got drafted sixth. Uh, Brandon Knight. Uh, Zaire Wade was in the draft. That's uh, Dwayne's son? Yep. Is that right? He got drafted by the uh, Salt Lake City Stars, you'll be shocked to learn, mm. after mm. Wade mm. bought a stake in the Utah Jazz. Seems like a conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah, very okay. strange. Sure. Uh, and uh, Leangelo Ball went right after Lance at 14 to uh, oh, the Greensboro Swarm over there in Charlotte. Nice. All right. I guess well, I'll take that. There's three rounds in the G League draft. It's a lot of rounds. But apparently you're not obligated to select. (laughs) (laughs) Like if you go down to the third round, the 11th choice in the third round uh, was held by Austin. Uh, They just uh, said no. (laughs) We're good. Don't need talent. There are no more basketball players on the planet that we have interest in. We are done. (laughs) All right, boys. Well, uh, an up and down week. Uh, for the Pacers to start the season. Uh, game one, Wednesday, October 20th, at Charlotte, playing against the Robots. The Pacers dropped this one uh, 123 to 122. Uh, Sabonis, uh, per usual, led the way with 33 and grabbed 15 boards. Brogdon dropped in 28 and had 11. And who is this guy? Duarte? Duarte. Chris Duarte, the rookie. 27 points. Uh, first rookie to start a game since Jamal Tinsley in 2001 and set a franchise record 
for points in a debut. Oh, you're saying that Jamal Tinsley didn't have 27 points in his uh, rookie debut? He had 27 assists. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, Charlotte Hornets were uh, buoyed by a performance from LaMelo Ball, who scored 31 points on seven of nine three-pointers in that game. A couple days later, uh, Pacers travel to the DMV to take on the Washington Wizards, dropping this one again in dramatic fashion, an overtime loss, uh, 135 to 134. Miles Turner in this game drops a career-high 40 and had 10 rebounds. Sabonis against Stellar, 28 points, 9 rebounds, and 7 assists. And Brogdon, Brogdon a ho-hum, 28, 8, and 8. Uh, but it was Spencer Dinwiddie down the stretch that just torched the Pacers. Uh, he ended up with 34 overall on the night, uh, including 6 boards and 9 assists. Uh, the following night, the Pacers, on the second night of a back-to-back, uh, <laughs> in which they played an overtime game, went to overtime again against the Miami Heat, but this time come out with a win to uh, stay undefeated in the Gainbridge Fieldhouse. <laughs> uh, Chris Duarte leading the way for the Pacers, 19 points, five boards in this one. Brogdon, 18 points, 14 rebounds, and four assists, and Sabonis was 17 and 12. But this was the uh, sauces game, though. Yeah, O'Shea Brissett played an amazing, uh, amazing one in this one. Uh, all right, Colson, you predicted a sweep, I believe. Is that right? No, I and... think I pl- predicted one in two weeks. I'm pretty sure. Oh, you did. Okay. <laughs> I was a little nervous coming out of the gate. And uh, how do you feel about about the performance uh, of this team this week? Um. Well, I, I think I said in the Slack after the first two games that I'm not sure that, you know, Carlisle had come out in the in the preseason and, and you, know, you know, in all these press conferences and said, you know, the easiest way to create identity is to, to start on the defensive end. And I expected to see some of that. And what I saw in those first two games was, and, and, and honestly the first half of that Miami game, was exactly the same way we played last year. But we're we're jacking up a bunch of threes. Um, we're turning the ball over a bunch, which I you know, which is what we did last year. We're getting out rebounded, and I'm going. Nothing has changed. And then uh, yeah. in the second half of that Miami game, uh, we started to play some defense, and um, that's why we won that game. Harper, what did you, what did you see this week? This is a really bad week of basketball. It was just bad. Yeah. I mean, you're up 24 points against Charlotte. And just yep. proceed to just crap that game away. I had the thing turned off. I accidentally looked at the final score on my phone, and I was like, I don't know if I could bring myself to watch this. <laughs> 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 like that's just bad. And then you, you know, on the backs of giving up 123 to Charlotte, you stomp on over to DC to a Bradley Bealless Washington Wizards. Right. No Bradley Beal. And go in there and. Lose? I mean, just very confusing. Give up 135 in that one. Finally managed to put together, you know, a decent game on, you know, in the Miami game, you know, holding them to 92. They didn't play super great, which is probably lucky for us. But, you know, we're out here throwing away. They were also away. missing Kyle Lowry. And missing Kyle Lowry. There, yeah. um, we're out here throwing away 40-point efforts from 
Miles Turner and, you know, the strongest start to a rookie season that we've maybe ever seen. <laughs> we're just seen, we're just yeah. out here, yeah, crapping these games away. I, I, it was not a good week. Yeah. All right, I'm going to be uh, be uh, Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky All guy right. here. I, I think it was not so bad. I think that, obviously, in April, we're going to be looking at these two games against uh, Charlotte and Washington that we lost by a point each, and we'll want them back because – it's likely going to mean the difference between the eighth seed and the sixth seed or something like that, and we'll have mm-hmm. to play in the play-in tournament. That being said, the Charlotte game, obviously, never good to blow a 24-point lead. <laughs> That's not what you want to do. <laughs> no, it is not. Charlotte, for, their, for, uh, for Charlotte's uh, credit, they came out in the second half and looked like a completely different basketball team. It was like they they realized like oh shit the the regular season started we should actually play defense now, and they stepped up their defense and the Pacers were not um, want to react to that very well. They went on a twenty four zero run in the twenty four one in the yeah yeah yeah. Uh, the other thing that part of that twenty four zero run. I think included a banked in three pointer uh, from Lamelo Ball that was super lucky, and then he got another one. I think it was him or Gordon Hayward. It got was one Hayward got the down the one. stretch a banked in three. So there's six points that they just like lucked into. Not not um, saying the Pacers didn't deserve to lose that game because anytime you let a team go on a 24-0 run, you probably shouldn't win. They gave them like a free quarter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, Wizards game, I thought the Pacers played um, pretty well in that game. They Spencer Didwini was um, unstoppable down the stretch. He hit some threes where he, like, jumped, you know, eight feet sideways and threw it in. And um, I sort of disagreed with Carlisle's um, uh, choice of lineup down the stretch. He went with a three-guard lineup with McConnell, uh, Brogdon, and Duarte, and then the two bigs, and played a zone for, like, a while, a long while, basically mm-hmm. all of overtime, and it worked for four or five possessions, as his zone is supposed to do, and then Spencer Dinwiddie realized that, oh, I can isolate against TJ McConnell and just do whatever the hell I want. So that was not so good. And then the Miami game, I thought the Pacers sort of – started to find their rhythm and their identity a little bit. I yeah, mean, that looks like a professional basketball game. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Especially down the stretch, the way Brogdon sort of managed that game and like they uh, figured out what their go-to play was very quickly. Remember we talked about this last year where we had no go-to, we play. had no idea what our go-to play was. Yep. And mm-hmm. like Carlisle immediately was like, okay, uh, whoever Tyler hero is guarding, we're getting that dude in a pick and roll. And then we're attacking Tyler hero. Or Duncan Robinson, like whoever it is, like we can. This is easy. Like, <laughs> let's just get the buckets. Uh, and then, um, yeah, you know, didn't shoot the ball super well in that game, but second night of a back to back, you kind of expect that, and After had an atrocious third quarter yet again, which was yeah. uh, a little bit scary, but played enough defense to to not let Miami go on a twenty four zero run, uh, which was nice. So, I think overall, obviously, you would like better results but i think that given that we're still missing two starters right and it's a new coach and we're 
trying to figure out what the heck is going on, I was not overly disappointed with the the performances this week. Did, you guys aren't convinced. I, 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 I mean, I, I can only watch <laughs> these guys give up 120 a night so often. I mean, mm-hmm. I hope that the Miami game, you know, signals a, a turnaround and a commitment to defense. Um, Cause I mean, that was just brutal to watch. I mean, the good news is, you know, Duarte, I mean, I'm a hundred percent sold on yes. this kid. I mean, there you go. both, both the ends of the floor, week. not afraid to shoot the ball, uh, you know, looks like he's been playing this league for years. I mean, re- really impressive stuff from him. They drew a place for him to, to hit the game winner in the, the Miami game. Almost went down. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Duarte, um, obviously the shining star in this first week. Um, you know, it was hilarious. I felt like a very, very old person because all these announcers were all week talking about um, just the benefits of having a rookie that is so experienced at the age of 24 years old. You know, he's been around the block. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Trying to remember how little of the world I had seen at 24. <laughs> yeah, and what a wreck of a human being I was. A hundred percent. Uh, but yeah, no, like this guy is, uh, unafraid of the moment, unafraid to shoot the ball was getting assigned to Jimmy Butler down the stretch and doing an excellent job and making Jimmy Butler take tough shots. Uh, you know, the Pacers got a gym here. I mean the, you know, the downside on this kid was that this is his ceiling but his ceiling is a very good NBA player. Like, <laughs> let's ride this for six yeah. to seven years. Like yeah. I'm cool with that. Like yeah, no, I I asked. I not even that ironically whether he was our best player. Like I mean, he just I mean you know clearly that's not the case. But he played so well in these first three games. He looks so smooth uh, scoring wise. Um, he's yeah he's he's giving a shit on defense. Like I I am so pleased now, Joey. Uh, Joey says that I apparently talked crap about Duarte. Mm-hmm. That I said mm-hmm. I, that uh, you know, since he's already hit his ceiling, he's, you know, whatever he's trash or whatever. I don't remember that. I don't think it happened. Um, <laughs> he did also uh, remind me that um, even though the Dominican Republic is on the same island as Haiti, Duarte is probably not French. He's actually not French, but I'm still going to go with the French accent. So you guys can screw off. <laughs> <laughs> Thought that will turn into a Russian accent in about <laughs> a month and a half. So. <laughs> I am Duarte. <laughs> and uh, how do we feel about uh, Carlisle at the helm uh, thus far? Like, um, seemed to me like the ship was running a, a little bit more steadily already. Like, I guess compared to the chaos that was the end of last season. Um, just the idea that that you know Carlisle is managing these games, even though he let teams go on twenty four zero and thirteen zero runs in the first two games, uh, he did try to call timeouts to manage that situation, and they, you know there yeah. was a lid on the basket on our end to some degree. But yeah, also got a little unlucky with a you know time losing a timeout early in a game to retain possession, which made it might have come in handy at the end. So yeah. That was a Duarte move. That's something that's cool in college, but not cool in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, it, it's certainly already better than last year. I mean, we should be 
three and oh right I yeah. mean, we, we put up we enough should. points yeah. this week to be three and oh for sure so uh i mean there, there's plenty of silver lining to be had and you know i just he tries and obviously cares about his players and stuff so that's refreshing <laughs> that's, that's that's different <laughs> No, I, I, I think, I, you know, I just, I felt like he managed the games with those timeouts. Like, you know, we, you know, you hit a, uh, they go on a five, you know, the other team goes on a, a five point run and gets within two or something like that, you know, and he understands that this is a momentum changing period of time in the game. So let's call a timeout and let's talk about it. Does it doesn't, he's not waiting to, you know, f- you know, for that 13 0 run, <laughs> you know, he, you're right. He's yeah. calling those things in the middle of these runs because he's seeing them coming. And I appreciate that, which I didn't see very much of last year. Uh, Bjork and Ronas to play through it, you know. And sometimes the momentum is, you know, needs to be stopped. <laughs> and I appreciate that. That was a, yeah. That is something that Carlisle's always done very well. My favorite Carlisle moment of the week came uh, late in the Miami game. Uh, there was an incident where uh, Miami has the ball gets swung around. Um, it's Jimmy Butler and, and Brogdon is trying to fight through a P.J. Tucker screen to to close out to him and tucker uh like grabs brogdon and pulls him down backwards and ends up tucker ends up land ending up in the landing space of uh jimmy butler and so they call a foul and they are the the call on the floor is that uh brogdon fouled jimmy butler so jimmy butler should get three free throws <laughs> which is the most ludicrous interpretation of what happened on the floor and so so there's like a break in the action and the and carlisle's like getting the explanation from from the referee and he's just like yeah no time out <laughs> that. just like immediately he's like, like, this stop talking stop talking <laughs> And of course, they re- they reverse it and say that somehow Brogdon fouled PJ Tucker, but I don't. Know. Yeah, sure, but but at least he didn't foul Jimmy Butler in the act of shooting. Yeah, but it's it's those types of things that is like I mean, obviously that was very obvious, but Carlisle's understanding of the game and how it happens and what is important and not important because there were other times in that game when he could have challenged things or whatever, and and he was just like no. You know, whatever. Like, I might need that timeout later. I'm not going to risk it. But that was like, yeah, no. This is going to make it a two-possession game. I'm not. There's no way that's real. So, uh, we're, you know, speaking uh, positively about, you know, Carlisle being back, are we concerned about these third quarters? I mean, this is the, you know, an unprepared team coming out of the halftime. Like, uh, like the other team's making adjustments and we're not. Like, what what's going on here? Already we have three disastrous third quarters in the first three games. Yeah, to me, it has seemed like the uh, the difference in those third quarters is the defensive intensity of the opposing ball clubs. Like, all of those guys probably get yelled at like crazy by their coaches mm-hmm. to play better defense because this yeah. Rick Carlisle-designed yeah. offense was carving them apart in the first half. And the thing that we need to adjust is is sort of get ready get used to that um adjustment and and adjust to that adjustment right like understand <laughs> that coming out of halftime they're going to play a lot harder defense like yeah. and 
come up with strategies to to uh, counteract that or take advantage of their over aggressiveness, right? But it seems like we maybe aren't comfortable enough with the offense or whatever to sort of do that yet. I don't know. What do you think, Harper? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I do think that's right. I mean, we put up 75 in the first half of the Charlotte game and then 73 in the Wizards game, right? I mean, we were just, you know, we were just rolling these guys up. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's no surprise that the other team would, would come back and, um, you know, try and put the clamps down on you. Whether or not we can get comfortable enough with the offense to consistently produce that kind of output is <laughs> uh, maybe a different question, but... Um, you know, I, I mean, I agree. It, it, it's worrying, but, you know, a combination of maybe fatigue early in the season, um, you know, a new system and just, you know, uh, a wealth of first half success, I think, was sort of the perfect storm in both of those games. So certainly something to keep your eye on, but I'm not going to lose my sleep over it in game three. <laughs> so I'm overreacting a little bit. That's why we brought you. <laughs> It's definitely something that's, like, got to be on the whiteboard of, like, concerns of the coaching staff at this point, right? Easy thing to concentrate on. Yeah, and the other thing is that, you know, part of it is, like, this probably a weird it's a statistical anomaly. Like, in some of those, in all of those third quarters, there were possessions, a substantial number of possessions, where, you know, a good look was created and it just didn't go down, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, you can only do so much at times. The thing to do in those situations is figure out how to get to the free throw line and like mm-hmm. manufacture points. And we haven't quite figured out how we're to still not good do at that, that yet. As we were, yeah. we were not that good at that last year either. Yeah. Amazing. It is amazing how much like um, personality in terms of basketball uh, ability is in, seems to be ingrained in the Pacers organization, right? Like the. The blowing of of twenty four point leads is like that's just gonna happen. The <laughs> four guys are under the rim uh, to get a defensive rebound, and the one guy from the other team gets the offensive rebound. Yeah. Like th- this just happens. This is just our life as Pacers fans. Like <laughs> doesn't matter who the coach is. Doesn't matter who the personnel are. Um, yeah. I will say before we get out of here, the the other bright spot for me this week was Tory Craig. I thought that um, hmm. I was very impressed by him and his activity. Uh, he's really that, like, he's sort of the replacement uh, energy-wise of Jakar Sampson on this team, but with a ton more um, uh, skill and uh, defensive prowess. Like, I, th- I think he's going to be a fan favorite of Pacer fans by the end of the year, like the way that he plays ball. Uh, bright spot for me, of course, was, uh, or, or maybe just, maybe it's another concern, honestly, <laughs> was, was, uh, Miles Turney, uh, Turner's, uh, 40 point, uh, 10 rebound, uh, three block and five three pointer game. Um, it puts him on a list with only six other NBA players in history. Uh, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Vince Carter, and Tracy McGrady. Not a bad wow. list. Um, I um, I then then the other two games he was in foul trouble and not very impactful. So you know I don't I don't think Miles Turner is going to have a, a a year where he scores forty points every night. That's not what I'm asking. But you know to go from 
scoring 40 points and looking aggressive and, and looking to score and also being, uh, you know, the only guy that's trying to defend the rim to the next game playing 16 minutes with five fouls. Like, it's that's that's a concern. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was quite effective in the Charlotte game, actually. He, and then he just got tired. Um, I think Carlisle has to figure out how to manage his minutes. So oh, he's, he's they, not, they, they're playing them. Uh, I mean, outside of the, 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 the foul thing, they, all the starters are playing like 40 minutes a night. <laughs> now, granted, right, they're playing exactly. overtime games, but still. Uh, and then the, the Miami game, I thought he got kind of unlucky with some of those fouls. and um, It was really just one of those nights where he just couldn't catch a break kind of thing. Yeah. But, but <clears throat> I've liked his activity on the boards a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, he seems like somebody actually told him, like, hey, you're a large human being if you just put your butt like on a guy like you'll probably get like two rebounds a quarter and that will be good and so hopefully that holds up yeah agreed the uh you know the offensive inconsistency i mean for me that's expectation so he's sure mm-hmm. sure got his that's work cut kind out of been to, his career uh classically conditioned me to not believe that he's going to fall apart the game after a good game <laughs> well, yeah, you know, he's already, I mean, what did he have? Four blocks in the Charlotte game, three blocks in the Wizards yeah, game. Absolutely. I mean, defensively, he's been great. And I mean, and he did, I love the aggressive. Didn't even play in the the uh, Miami game, but I think he still had a couple blocks. Yeah. Yeah, two blocks. Right, two blocks minutes, in sixteen like, minutes. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Uh, not the greatest opening week, and uh, the schedule. In week two, is uh, not super kind. So Monday, uh, the 25th, the Pacers host the champion Milwaukee Bucks. Wednesday, they travel to Canada. Hopefully everybody has their visa uh, to play the Toronto Raptors. Friday, at the Brooklyn Nets. And then Saturday, back in the field house, hosting the Raptors again. So two showings against the Raptors and then uh, two games against uh, title contenders. <laughs> so good measuring stick against Toronto. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we need to be beating the teams that are around us in the standings, right? I mean, that was that was what was concerning about that losing to the Wizards and the Hornets. We think that we're kind of going to be in that, that same category with them. We're going to have to start winning some of these games if we want to be better, higher than them in the standings. Although, um, fun fact, this is the first time uh, in their franchise history that the Hornets have started out 3-0. and So mm. maybe they're going to be at the surprise team this year. Who knows? Um, that was indeed an enjoyable fact. Really <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that's good enough for us. On Thursday's show, um, We'll continue this conversation a little bit and then also sort of talk about our expectations for the Pacers coming up uh, for the season and maybe uh, introduce you to some of the new guys. And uh, until then, you can keep in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Undebeatables. We have a Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash the Undebeatables. If you go to the Undebeatables.com, there's a contact form that you can fill out. or you can just email us, shout out at the undebeatables.com. Uh, if you really want to support the show, go to patreon.com and, and become a uh, patreon.com slash undebeatables and uh, 
subscribe or uh, support us at uh, monthly rates. Uh, and then if you really, really, really want to support us, go buy a T-shirt from our website. Support that thing around town and tell people all about us. That's right. For the architect, Donnie Walsh, and our once and always Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Siclenard, Turn out the lights, the party's over. I've got, I've got, I've got a, a bold prediction for, for next, yeah, for this week. I think we're gonna find out that the sauce, per set, is actually the secret weapon against Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think he's gonna, he's gonna hold him to a normal, human-like basketball game. He's the Greek freak stopper. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. gonna be my bold prediction. The sauce stopping the freak. Okay. Yeah. Told you it was bold. It is bold. Yeah. Well, Miami sure did a number on them. They kicked Milwaukee's ass. Yes, yeah. they did. It was a bit oh, of a hangover man. after the ring ceremony game. Yeah, yeah. I think, but it seemed to be the case, but. Maybe, maybe. So by the transitive property, we should kick the shit out of Milwaukee. Absolutely. Right, exactly. right. They should just give us that win now. <laughs> and, and the title. Right. <laughs> Whoever has the belt. That's right. Yeah, does that mean we have the belt right now? Like if Milwaukee came into the season with the belt. Right. And then they lost to Miami. And then we beat Miami. So Miami had the Yeah, we have the belt right yeah, now. We yeah, we do belt. have the belt. Nice. See how long that lasts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give it till about uh, Monday. <laughs> yeah, Milwaukee might want that back. 